0: Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. It's Thursday, September 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we've got David Kretzmann from Motley Fool Supernova and Rule Breakers, and Motley Fool Chief Investment Officer Andy Cross making a rare appearance.
1: Hey, I'm thrilled to be here, guys. It's great.
0: Well, we're thrilled to have you. We've got um, a lot to talk about. Later, we're going to be talking about Um, a breakout session y'all are going to be doing at our member event next week. You're going to be talking about millennials and trends and kids these days and what it means for us as investors. Let's um, start out with um, a stock that is having a big, big debut on Wall Street today. Roku, the streaming device company, IPOing today at a $1.3 billion valuation. And David, so far, so good. Roku up big. What do you think of Roku?
2: It's an interesting company. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the business and its opportunity and how it fares competing against really all the major tech giants who also have some skin in this connected TV game. They're going up against Google with the Chromecast. They're going up against Apple with the Apple TV. And they're going up against Amazon, which has the Fire TV and Fire TV Stick. So, they're going up against all the big dogs. So, that's some fierce competition there. But really, what Roku is trying to do is Become the home screen for connected TV. So, the platform that connects the entire TV ecosystem. They want to be content agnostic. So, any type of content that you can stream, they want to have it on their platform. And up to this point, you've sort of seen those big tech players uh, be a little bit more focused with their content. Like uh, Amazon. For a long time, hasn't had their streaming app on the Apple TV, for instance. That will um, probably change later this year, based on what Apple announced at their conference earlier this summer. But Roku really—they—they they don't want to uh, cut, cut any content out of the equation. They want it all on their platform. But whether or not that's enough of a differentiator for the company to compete against those big tech giants, for me, that's the big question mark and something. Uh, that causes me to still be on the sidelines, but certainly still interested to see how they do. You
1: know, it's interesting. This IPO, I don't. know, for, for, for some reason, it seems like it's about eighteen months too late. Like, for whatever reason, they decided to kind of like hold off on this, and then now go to the markets and, and use the capital. And obviously, as David said, they're they're fighting some really big giants. I actually bought a Roku stick uh, maybe eight months ago, and I compared David. Like, I, I went against Chromecast, Apple TV, and I looked at what I needed. The Roku reviews. Were, were probably the best out there among all of them. And I think I bought it on Amazon, actually, to tell you the truth. And uh, I, I chose Roku, basically, because the price was the same. It was actually, I think, maybe a little bit more expensive than the Fire Stick. There was that independence factor, which I like. There's something about independence these days when the, these tech giants are trying to own our entire lives. And um, most importantly, they had a little bit more content. And exclusivity than some of the other ones did, so I went with them for that reason. I think that's a hu- that that is a nice advantage. The big question, David, is whether it's a lasting advantage because yep. if they don't have that, Mac. In fact, the three of us had this conversation about distribution these days and how valuable distribution is. But in this regard, they have to have some differentiating factor. Seventy-five percent of their revenues right now are coming from actually selling the players. That will actually shift, and they expect that to shift over time, which means more like. Uh, Inexperienced revenues, whether you're playing subscriptions or advertising, so they need to continue to get more and more people using that. What is going to continue to drive that? Is the differentiating factor enough that people continue to sign up with Roku versus the other
0: players? And they're not yet profitable. So, I mean, when I see that, and then I hear some of the names when we mentioned that they're big competitors, David, you mentioned you know Google, Alphabet, or Amazon and Apple so you've got competitors with deep pockets much much deeper pockets and and you've got you know Roku that doesn't really have pockets yet
2: no they'll they'll have a little over two hundred million dollars of cash in the bank after this IPO, so that'll keep them going for a while. But that's a drop in the bucket compared to what Apple, you know, makes in an hour, <laughs> pretty much.
1: You know, I will say though, that, you know, there were a lot of fears about Netflix not having the balance sheet to be able to go against Amazon. Now they did, and they went yeah. out <laughs> and borrowed billions to be able to fund. So if, if Roku is going to get into the not just the partnering and the distribution game, if they're going to actually really start pushing content creation,
2: and they're moving that direction a little bit more, there's yeah. an
1: expe- that is. Expe- Expensive, and you start, you know, you, then you really need to go out to get some cash for that and um, get your. Um, your financial model and really top strength, because then you are really competing against the giants of the entertainment industry.
2: Yeah. Earlier this month, they announced the Roku channel, where they will be licensing some movies from Hollywood and offering those movies for free, and it'll be an ad-supported format. They said it'll be roughly half the ad volume that you would normally get on traditional TV if you're watching a, a movie on uh, you know, some, one cable channel or another, so they'll have several hundred movies on there, including Legally Blonde, so who's who's not going to be drawn to that? Yeah, totally. Uh, so, they are moving in that direction where they have a little bit more of that differentiated, exclusive content offering on their platform, and honestly, as we go more to this a la carte streaming TV option where you have so many different apps, like they actually mentioned that they have over 5,000 channels or apps available on their Roku platform. I wouldn't be surprised if we go back to bundling, where you know that that cable bundle model has been so effective for many years, and it's been effective because it works. That's why why people have done it over the past several decades. So I wouldn't be surprised if instead of you know buying HBO, Amazon, uh, Netflix, CBS, all these different apps independently, I wouldn't be surprised if Roku tries to offer some sort of bundle where instead of paying a collective fifty dollars. Individually, for each of those apps, you can get it for35 dollars through Roku, and that could be something very exclusive and uh, differentiated on their platform. So I'm, what I'm looking for is just a way that they can create that sustainable advantage, to continue to lure people to buy the devices and then a reason to keep them on the devices because otherwise I just I see this go in a direction where Amazon they obviously don't need to make money on each device they sell. None of these big tech giants need to make money on the devices, and they have a lot of levers they can pull and a lot of cash. In the bank, and another risk that I look at is, like I mentioned, Roku. They have five thousand streaming channels or apps on their platform, but the top five channels that users use accounted for seventy percent of the streaming time on that platform, and Netflix alone accounted for a third of that time. So, having a lot of channels that that's certainly uh, beneficial to an extent, but for the most part, people are using. Amazon HBO Netflix YouTube and with just about all of those Roku isn't gonna make any money like YouTube is ad supported but those ads play on YouTube and Roku doesn't get a cut of that yeah. so uh, they, they are facing some tough competition but I like that their founder led the um, the founder and CEO he spent a t- a little bit of time at Netflix and headed up their early internet streaming efforts. so It's one I'll be watching, but uh, I'm, I'm not in any rush to jump in, I think.
1: I'm cheering for them because of the upstart nature and what they're trying to do. They do certainly have a lot of challenges, their balance sheet, as I think about exploring the, the different options, getting more and more people onto their platform, buying the sticks, using the features. There's a lot of consolidation going on in the media space, David mentioned, that, that the concentration of viewers, that's not just on Roku, that's across all the platforms, whether it's movies, television, Netflix, YouTube this concentration. We have more and more options nowadays, more and more shows, more and more personalities, yet most of the biggest brands continue to drive most of the viewing ship. So, it's not just on Roku, it's across the board. But clearly, there's that that factor that they have to continue to fight against these big boys. But I'm cheering for them because I think they're an upstart company. They're an upstart company. They did have some first mover advantages. Whether that's sustainable or not is a big challenge and big question and something investors will have to watch.
0: Well, so far, so good. Um, two of the high-profile IPOs this year, Snap, and Blue Apron, both Man. both trading below their IPO price now, right? Yep. So we will see, guys. Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Well, Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details, and you can be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to RocketMortgage.com/fool equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Okay, guys, before we wrap up, we are all going to be in South Carolina next week for a Motley Fool One member event. And I have it on good source that you guys are doing a breakout session. And I've got the title right here. All the kids are doing it. Winning Stocks in Emerging Trends. So how about if you each share one of the stocks you're going to be talking about, a stock that kind of plays on the millennials and the millennial trends, David, what do you got?
2: Yeah, so one of one of the trends I'm looking at is millennials getting outdoors and going camping. Half of new campers these days are millennials. So each year there's about 1 million or so new campers over the past uh, couple of years and half of those are millennials. And another interesting stat is millennials are about 31% of the total US population. They're now the biggest demographic uh, or generation in the US ahead of baby boomers now. So this is a, a huge demographic. They're 31% of the total population, but 30 Percent of the camping population. So there's a higher proportion of millennials going outside and camping compared to other generations. And I think one of the companies, surprisingly, that's benefiting from this trend, I think will continue to benefit, is Camping World. This is the closest thing we have in the U.S. to a national RV and outdoor gear retailer. They, uh, you know, RV sales overall are at record highs, about 450,000 RVs sold each year right now. And you, uh, On the surface, you would expect. When you think of RVs, you think of baby boomers. Typically, people who have retired, they're looking to to hit the road, see the country, just uh, you know, consolidate down to to the RV and just see see the country that way. And that that is a trend that's benefiting camping world. But uh, on the flip side, you, you're seeing a lot of millennials wanting to to travel while they're still young, and uh, and, and hit the road while uh, they they still have the the time and energy to do that. So millennials tend to go to uh, towable RV units, whereas I think boomers might buy the standalone RVs. You know yeah. the. the Big hunkers out there. That's so. what
0: I'm thinking. I've got my eyes on one of those.
2: I mean, yeah, you'll have to share some of your research, <laughs> Mac. But uh, yeah, so, so I, I like camping World because they're benefiting from both generation trends. Because obviously, uh, more more baby boomers are retiring each year. They're hitting the road with RVs, and at the same time, you have millennials really showing this interest in getting outdoors and uh, going camping and all those different things. So. Camping World is at the intersection of both of those generations, looking to uh, hit the road with RVs. And the ticker is CWH. And uh, I will give a plug also for the CEO Marcus Lamonis. Uh, some people might be familiar with the CNBC TV show The Profit. And Lamonis, he he made his money uh, with within the RV space. I think he started an RV retailer that ended up merging or was acquired by uh, Camping World, and then he's since been the mm. CEO for quite some time. But on on the show, the prophet he works with struggling small businesses, and I really like you, you, through the show you really get a sense for how he approaches business and how he approaches retail. He's incredible working with people, so he's obviously focused on the nuts and bolts and the numbers and financials of the businesses. But in some ways, he's almost a counselor for these family businesses. So it might be a father son relationship that he helps, you know, th- this family work through, or just the dynamics of an employer and and the employees. So. Uh, that I, I highly recommend that show. It's uh, a show that I've been binging lately, and I, I kind of throw it under the research category, so I feel less guilty <laughs> binging that show. But for any business-focused investors out there, that I, I encourage you to uh, to take a look at that, and maybe uh, you, you get a glimpse into the person who's heading up Camping World. Are
1: you binging that on your Roku
2: player? I, I actually have, well, I have a Roku player and a, a Fire TV stick, oh, so, interesting. you know, I kind of just, go, yeah, you know, flip a coin right. and see which one I, <laughs> I want to go with.
1: Okay, Andy, what do you got? Uh, Mac, uh, anyone who has seen us in person or, or or on TV or one of the videos knows that we are, we are probably closer to um, the boomer generation than the millennial generation. However, we do have one thing in common that... That, handsomeness. Um, besides handsomeness. You and I do not have that in common. <laughs> I'm saying with um the demographic that is closer to millennials is that you and I do not like answering the doorbell.
0: I hate the doorbell. The
1: doorbell rings and I I I I, I I'd rather it didn't. Like or yeah, knock on the door. It's like true. I just I feel like it's just like so I find
0: it menacing now, and I told you this. Especially like at in the last like yeah. two or three years, at nighttime especially, but even even during the day a little, but at nighttime I find it menacing. Yeah.
1: Well, I, well apparently um, uh, the younger generation, the Molinos, they 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 don't even really use or understand the doorbell because when they go to visit people, or if they do, whether it's at their house or wherever, right. they'll just text. Yeah. I'm here. I'm texting. I'm on my way. Oh, that, yeah. Right. It's generally, yeah. well, right. That's how you roll, That's how I roll. You throw I don't think me like emojis. I don't all the think time. you roll. Yeah. Exactly. I know basically two emojis, and that's about it. So that's how I end. The yellow thumbs off. So generally, exactly. It's just great. It's, it's a classic. It's All the cool classic. kids use All the kids use yeah. right. So one stock I think is going to benefit, just in, not just for millennials, but just as we come, become more and more um, integrated into our houses, Alarm.com. So Alarm.com um, is a, a cloud-based provider of um, home security solutions, really the guts behind the home security solutions. So um, you may be signing up with like a local home provider, or maybe Comcast or someone else. And Alarm.com provides a lot of the guts behind that, a lot of the software. Behind that. So, when we think about all the truly integrated home, having security systems, being able to control your temperature, like alarm.com manages a lot of that. So, they have 6,000 partners. They have more than two and a half million homes that are connected into alarm.com. They collect 20 billion bits of data per year across all their sensors, so they're connected into the space. As we become more and more integrated, whether you're a millennial or not, Alarm.com is a trend that's going to play. 30% sales growth rates, it's profitable, healthy cash flows, very mobile-friendly solutions. So I just think Alarm.com is playing into a long-term trend um, that we'll all be able to benefit from, and we all will play into whether you like doorbells or not. And the ticker? A-L-R-M.
0: Okay. Well, guys, before we go, I want to give a shout out for the third edition of the Motley Fool Investment Guide. Andy, I know you were involved with this. It's brand spanking new. The paperback's so great. So we take the first edition from 1996, but we revise it, we update it and it's just some really, really good stuff. So, you can find more about that book, and you can order the book at book.fool.com. That's book.fool.com. Guys, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Mac. Thanks, Mac. As always, people in the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mac Greer. We will see you next time.